0: Listening to the Big Album Show with Paul Dillon and Dan O'Neill.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest Big Album Show with me, Paul Dillon,
0: and me, Dan O'Neill.
1: We've heard about the summer of '69, but what about the summer of '1991? <laughs> that was the summer when Blur dropped their debut LP, Leisure. It wasn't exactly the sound of the summer of '1991. In fact it would be fair to say that not only was it not one of the most loved albums of 1991, it is probably the least loved Blur record of the eight LPs they have to their name. But yet, but yet, never let it be said that Leisure by Blur is not worth a listen. Some years before they practically invented Britpop, before going on to reinvent themselves, They produced in Leisure an album which contained within it some very clear signals regarding their future direction of travel. I think Blur albums come in twos. There's Leisure and Modern Life is Rubbish, the two early records, the sound of a band finding their sound. Then came the great Britpop juggernaut, the mid-90s high of Parklife and The Great Escape, before things get very serious indeed with Blur and 13, where they braced a more alternative, more uh, experimental sound. Later, we got Think Tank, uh, the 2003 Men and Collie collection, uh, which didn't didn't really have Graham Coxon, uh, the guitar player, on it at all. And then we got The Magic Whip, um, which the last record they had, which really reminded us just how original and how consistent uh, the band can be. But back to 1991, um, Leisure was dropped uh, at the height of of the haze of the Manchester scene and two long forgotten musical crazes referred to as shoegazing and the baggy scene. Um, and you could the Manchester scene really defined by, uh, you know, bands like the Stone Roses and you can hear a kind of a homage to the Stone Roses throughout Leisure. Um, but on several tracks, something very interesting indeed happens. And that's where you get to hear the sound of a great band emerging. So then Leisure. 12 tracks, uh, including a, a clutch of singles which are well-known to Blur fans, uh, That's She's So High, uh, There's No Other Way and Bang. Um, but tell me, before we get into it, what does this band t- mean to you? This collection of four great chaps, Dave Roundtree on drums, Alex James on bass, Graham Coxon on guitar, Damon uh, Album, the legendary, multi-talented,
0: trend-setting, Pribador, what do they mean to you as a band then? Well, as someone who was born in the 80s and kind of came to music in the 1990s, you know, it was hard to get away from Blur. They were omnipresent. Every time you turned on the radio, um, you know, a song like Girls and Boys or There's No Other Way would be on the radio um, because, you know, Britpop Pop was massive in the mid-90s. And yeah. I, I would have came to them around that time when you had the whole Blur versus Oasis uh, nonsense going on. <laughs> but um, I have to be honest, like I, I do, li- I like the band, but I would describe myself as kind of uh, a best of Blur kind of fan. So that was the only Blur album I had in my collection. In fact, I remember in about 1997, I went into Golden Discs with my pocket money and uh, I, I picked two singles off the shelf. One was uh, a Spice Girl single and one was Beatles bum by blur (laughs) and to my absolute shame i walked out of the shop with the spice girl single (laughs) but look they are a a great band and it's funny that this particular album it 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 hasn't been looked on very favorably by a lot of critics in fact one critic uh, described it as like your unsavory uncle leisure is the family member no one wants to talk about but i think it's worth talking about the album because your introduction hits a nail on the head perfectly. You know, you can hear the kind of early onset of the genius, which is Blur, which is Damon Albarn in this album. And I think it's certainly worth discussing. And while, like, while as a whole, you might not say it's a, a fantastic album, there certainly is tracks on the album, which are fantastic.
1: Yeah, totally agree with you, Dan. Um, and, you know, we wh- wh- what you get on this record, um, it's very much of its time. It's influenced heavily by, as I said, that Manchester sound, the bands like the Stone Roses, and that baggy scene, that shoegazing scene. They're long forgotten, though, of course, the Stone Roses uh, very much live on. But those scenes are kind of long forgotten. But this album comes out at the height of that they'd previously been called Seymour a couple of the tracks on the album they had recorded as Seymour the record label gave them the name Um, but they released this album August 1991 three singles that did okay there's no other way of course doing the best of them and getting them on top of the pops um, but you're, you're absolutely right. It didn't set the music world on fire, um, did it, Dan? And I think it's kind of gone down as, I think, you know, Damon has set, you know re- referenced making two uh, bad, bad albums or albums he didn't like. And that's, a, you know, we can assume he means leisure and... The great escape. I, I want to say a few things about Blur, Dan, because I mean, I, I, I'm happy enough to just talk in general about Blur to anybody, <laughs> as anyone who knows me uh, will know. Um, I have a long, constant, kind of um, fondness and l- love for Blur, really. And again, it's been tried out in various jackets, various haircuts, <laughs> uh, trousers, runners uh, you name it, they've influenced me. But musically, I return to Blur. Again and again and again. Um, and I want to say this about Blur is that they are, I mean, you know, we often say on the big album show, we talk about live music and the sound uh, of live bands and what a band can do live. And for me, of the bands that I have seen, you know, Blur are right up there among the greatest uh, live bands that I have ever seen. I've seen them about about five or six times in, in total. Yeah. First time I saw them was back would You Believe, Dan, in 1996 at the RDS. Then I saw them twice in the Point Depot um on the back of The Blur and 13 albums. And then I saw them twice at Christmas 2003 in the Olympia. That was um after the release of Think Tank, uh, minus Graham Coxon. And then I saw them in Kilmainham uh, in 2013. And, I mean, the 1996 gig changed my life completely. I didn't, it was the first show that I'd ever been to um, and it, it changed me and it gave me an, an absolute sense of what was possible in the world um, and that gig again in Kilmain i an absolute triumph um, and one of the remarkable things I mean, I mean that gig it came in that uh, t- you know 2013 period where they were doing a tour because of course they made this a comeback in 2009 and toured and then they toured again 2012, 2013 and then 2015 again but, but one of the incredible things about Blur Live, is the connection between Damon Albarn and the audience. There he was uh, in Kilmainham in 2013 in the double denim. Um, and the, I mean, he's looking fantastic in double denim. And it's not a look everyone uh, can pull off. But I, I remember he just comes out on stage. He kind of rolls his shoulders at the audience and he says, are you ready? And do you really feel that he is talking to you? Um, and he just has this fantastic way of connecting with audiences and um, and anyone who's interested you can check it out just check out some of the great live blur gigs um online and i definitely would reference people to the 2009 hyde park gig or 2009 glastonbury gig great place to start if you're not familiar with them have you seen them live dan
0: i haven't seen them live and um, the closest i uh, got to seeing them live was standing out in the back garden in Inchicore, which is close to Kilmain, and listening to the to the music come over the estate. Um, but I have to say, like, I think you're right about Damon Albarn and, and his presence when he performs live from seeing videos on YouTube and on the TV. Like, Damon Albarn is a guy who literally has creativity running through his blood. I know both his parents were very involved in the arts. And if you look at Damon Alburn's career, look, he was about 23, I think, when he first, when, when, he re- when he released the album Leisure, which has some cracking tunes on it, which we'll get to. But then look at the rest of his career. He is an artist who continued to grow, never stood still, whether it was his music with, uh, you know, The Gorillas, which I think they're, they're almost as big as Blur in many ways uh, across the globe. But he, he also wrote... Uh, Incredible, incredibly kind of diverse music and um, everything from folk music, uh, hip hop, uh, art pop. Well, you know, you name it, Damon Albarn ha- has done it. He's won Ivor Novello Awards. He's he, he, he is the business when it comes to music um, and he has his own incredibly unique style. But Maybe I should say he has a number of incredibly unique styles because he's not afraid to reinvent himself and sound different at different times in his career. And um, so he's definitely an artist I respect big time. Yeah, and, and I mean, he he did something remarkable.
1: I mean, he's done many remarkable things during his career. I mean, you referenced gorillas. I saw gorillas live um, in the early part of their career, again, in the Olympia. Um, it would have been the summer of 2001, I think, if memory serves me correctly. And then they were playing behind a screen in the Olympia. Mm. Um, they wait, later went on to do huge live shows as, as gorillas, but then they played behind a white screen. So you saw nothing but a white screen and you heard the music. That was the concept. And, and sorry, you had a bit of animation going on. Not a whole lot of animation, but you had a bit of animation mm. on that white screen. Um, and you're absolutely right. I mean, absolutely terrific. Don't forget as well, of course, The Good, The Bad and The Queen. Yeah. They're two albums. Um, and then you've got, of course, the politics of Damon album which is very interesting. And um, he, of course, really triumphed. Well, not triumphed is not really the word, but he really pushed... Um, the anti-Brexit cause, uh, including the, I suppose, the ill-fated campaign for a second referendum. All of that is, is history now. Of course, support for CND, support, um, you know, the big uh, anti-war protests, the big anti-war in Iraq protests in 2003. So he's got that kind of history. Of course, he never went, I mean, in the height of the Britpop here, Dan, you remember the thing with Oasis, Noel Gallagher in the, uh, the You know, in with Tony Blair, Cool Britannia. Um, yeah. Damon Album stayed outside of all that, though he did, of course, say that he voted Labour um, at the time. And just to reference, because we may as well, as we're talking about politics, the, the, the other members of the band are all political as well. Um, as far as I remember, Graeme Coxon um, was a Green Party supporter. Dave Rentry, of course, Labour um and Alex was or is a Tory uh, as far as I, I know. But back then to leisure, um, What is? You, do you have a some top tracks uh, on
0: the album, Dan? I certainly do. Um, uh, d- definitely. Like, uh, I suppose there's probably like four tracks on it that really stand out for me. But um, I, I, the first one is obviously, like, I have to say, there is no no other way, you know. It's just one of those stompers that ha- has uh, become a staple of memory when you look back at that that time and you try and kind of identify songs that that kind of represent that kind of, as you say, Madchester slash Britpop era. Like it really is I, I think anyway, it's a very, very good tune and uh, it's definitely one like when it comes on, you want to move, you want to y- y- enjoy it. You know, it's, it, it has good energy. What do you think of that tune yourself?
1: I would probably put it as number my number two. Um, it was the biggest sim- single off the album um, and I got them on top of the pops. And it's a really good live tune as well. And one that they kept on playing consistently throughout um, their career. It made it onto both. It made it. it made it onto um. You know, a, a lot of their their different their different live sets down through the years. For me, coming in, uh, you know, my my I, I put that. There's no order in there, number two. I put but but she's so high would be number number three for me. It's again a song which they've returned to uh, live over the years, including and um, the Hyde Park gig that I mentioned earlier. It was on the double album and um, that the, they released the double live album. They released on the back of that Hyde Park show. In two thousand and nine, and um, it's a it's a nice way to start uh, an album. And um, the, the, there's a a version of the song um that exists online from when they were Seymour. And um, the original "She's So High" is a pretty difficult uh, l- listen, uh, <laughs> but on the record, it sounds really, really good. Um, and it easily learned earns a place on a sort of a long list of great Blur tunes for me. Yeah, I you... would definitely say go go. With there's no Number two. And sing would be my number one track on the album, Dan. Um, how about you, Dan? For well, your other top
0: well, tunes on the album? Well, just on, on They're so high. You said it's a nice way to start an album. She's so high. And I, oh, she's so high. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I'm, I'm getting confused with my songs. Um, it, but she's so high, right? You 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 could say it's a, a nice way to start uh, an album. But it's also a nice way to start a career because I read that. They actually wrote that song in their first ever uh, rehearsal session together, um, so it's definitely a good a good tune to start your career with. Um, yeah, then sing. Really, really interesting song. Of course, uh, famously used in Train Spotting, and also I think when you listen to Hot, hot Take Alert. Um, I I think when you listen to "Sing," you you don't only hear the start of Blur's career, you also hear the start of Coldplay's career because you can definitely hear in that song "Sing" how Coldplay were influenced very much so by Blur. And I I'll I'll ask listeners to try this right next time you hear the opening to "Sing" by Blur. Hum in your mind the melody to Coldplay's hymn for the weekend along with it. And the 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 chordal progression, the chord the chord progression is almost identical. And then there's loads of other Coldplay songs that sound very much like sing as well. So I definitely agree that's a good song. Another one that I like is Bad Day. So it starts with uh, a melodica um, it, it almost kind of reminds me of the sound of the band, the Lightning Seeds. And then you have this kind of Happy Mondays style drums come in, another cracking tune, another one from the kind of Madchester vibe that you get on the album. And uh, then you do have other songs on, on the album that kind of remind you of the sound of the, the shoegaze period, that kind of My Bloody Valentine style uh, guitar work. And... Um, we 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 complain a lot in this show about the music industry and the, you know cramping down on people's style and you know those damn record companies, but um, believe it or not, I think they had an impact on this album because there was five producers on the album, and um, they, they so so it it seems that the record company was trying to have an overarching influence on the kind of tracks that Blur were putting together for this album. Like one of the tracks on the album, the track that comes directly after, there's no other way I believe, was written in about 15 minutes deliberately to try and have a follow on song from that song that was in a similar vein. Um, But like, as I say, the lads were about 22, 23 when they wrote this album. And... We've said this with other bands be- before, the problem for a band like Blur that had so many incredibly good albums, like classic albums, classic songs, that when you look back to their, their, their debut album, you can, you can criticize it. Yeah, it's easy to do that. But when I listen to this album, I hear a band, I hear the roots of an incredible band that went on to have a major impact on music. What about you?
1: Yeah, no doubt about that, Dan. And, you know, you can add, I think, to your list of Coldplay songs that sound like Sing. Um, you could add Lost to that. Mm. And the acoustic version of Lost uh, in particular, you'll, you'll, you'll definitely hear it. I'm a big fan of Sing. And, and Sean Slattery just has said to us on Twitter about Sing, that it's still one of their best tunes. And I, I'm inclined to agree with that. Um, there's terrific lyrics in it as well. D- Damon says, sings, I can't feel because I'm numb. So what's the worth in all of this when the child in your head, when the child is dead? Um, it, there's something very profound about that. There's something, and again, it, the, the melancholy in it, it's a kind of um, it's a signal really of what is to come. Uh, in, in some of the later Blur music, where there is a m- melancholy. Colly vibe going through things. Um, one of the things I love about 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 Sing is there's some great live versions of it available, and there's a really really beautiful live version uh, available. Um, of Sing from a gig they did in a store in the Astoria in London in advance of the release of Blur, the Blur album in 1997. And that was an, uh, that Astoria gig was was their comeback gig at the time. They had done their Park life thing, the Great Escape thing, and they were reinventing the sound. And they did this Astoria gig, and at the end of it. They played uh, sing as a really nice version of it. And they dedicated it to an Irish journalist called Leo Finlay, who uh, had died of a heart attack aged just t- uh, 32 um, in, in 1995. And, and he had been a huge influence uh, on the band and he has been credited with discovering the band. And mm-hmm. Blur had played uh, at his wedding. And um, so they played at the wedding of Leo Finlay and Jane Souter, who is a professor, professor in DCU. Um, and there's a lovely little pod uh, which Drive Time put out uh, in 2015 um, by Leo's son, Column. Um, and we must tweet that out from the big album show. Um, but definitely Leo was a big influence on the band. And as I said, he was credited with help helping uh, discover the band. And he was someone I think the band never forgot and they paid a lot of homage to him. Um, and if you go online, you'll, you'll find, if you Google it, you'll, you'll find there's a Joe article, Joe.ie article. Again, we'll tweet it out from the Big Album Show account. Um, but it's of pictures of the, the wedding that Blur played in 1990 um, for the Irish journalist Jane Souter and Leo Finlay. Um, it, it was in the King's Inns on Henrietta en, en, Enri, Street. Henrietta Street. And uh, there you'll see Blur uh, in their full 1990s pomp with the baggy kind of look and the baggy vibe. And then you just see on the dance floor, you've got a classic looking uh, kind of Irish wedding vibe going on. And who were they to know uh, at that wedding that, you know, how big this band would come become, how influential they'd, they'd become. Um, and Leo Finlay had been just a very important influence on them. He had um, sort of discovered the band in London when they were still Seymour. Um, um. Of course, actually, the, the the name Blur was given to him by the record label. But uh, Leo was a big influence on the band um, and lovely that they paid that kind of tribute to him. So Sing, beautiful song. is st- still one of their best. Um, And, and you, you know, again, it's a sort of song that you, it's it's fairly haunting, actually. Um, And it's a little bit of a showstopper for when you see them live. There's a few other ch- songs that for me get a, a, an honour to mention. I like Bang. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very rarely featured in lists of people's favorite Blur songs it was a single and She's So High and There's No Other Way made Best Of collections for Blur um, you know there was two, there's two uh, Blur sort of singles collections there's the Best Of uh, released in 2000 very much against the wishes of the band and later Mid- Midlife A Beginner's Guide to Blur which came out in 2009 at that period when they were making that kind of comeback with Graham Coxon Back on Board and those big live shows in Hyde Park and Glastonbury and the tour and um, both of those best of records this sort of wonders uh, for blur and captured them new audiences they were very much against the release of the first best of they didn't do any um pictures and so on so that kind of very famous cartoon artwork was put out uh, for them at the time and they they released a single called music is my radar uh, which was a really kind of anti commercial uh, sort of tune um anyway they, they so but, but but when you it, 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 there's only a handful of songs which off this record which would kind of make, you know, Blur fans sort of favourite lists. And um, but definitely, there's no other way. She's so high and Sing, uh are in most Blur life. Blur uh, sort of fans uh, lists um, for 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 the reasons that we have just uh, gone through. Yeah. One of the interesting things, Dan, I think we've both touched on it, is that this record hints at what it, it was to come. Um, so the melancholy, you know, the song "Birthday." It reminds me um of of say a song like um Yuko and Hero of the Great Escape, or um you know you know there's that kind of melancholy sound. Uh, fool um again, which came the song directly after. There's no other way. It had a kind of a jaunty. There's this kind of sound in it, which would you know it, it came alive for them that kind of sound on um, that Britpop sound. It came alive for them later. Um, but there's a hint of that kind of Britpop sound there on something like Fool. Um, and then you've got Bad Day, um, where Damon deploys the melodica uh, to great to effect. And that melodica has been a key instrument uh, throughout his career. Um, so definitely, in addition to those sort of tunes, which most Blur fans uh, know very, very well, there's a kind of a clutch of songs there that do point to something. Um, and of course, the great Stephen Street on board, who of course had worked with the Smiths and of course the Cranberries as well big figure in his own right in the production uh, of the Britpop sound, but he was on board for a number uh, of the songs uh, on the album. Um, Anything else sort of... uh stand out for you Dan, uh, Dan uh, in terms of the tracks on the record? Well,
0: well, well you mentioned Bang um, and <clears throat> what came to my mind was the stunning kind of visual identity the band have um, in terms of album and single artwork and indeed music videos. Now I know sometimes they get a bit of stick for the hair and all that kind of crack <laughs> as a lot of people do from different, uh, different uh, time periods but for instance if you look at the the bang single you had this really interesting cover with two uh chickens on the front page and and on the front on the front cover Um, in in kind of the chickens are red and the background is uh is blue and it's it's quite striking and then the music video had this kind of um time-lapse photography effect in it creating streaks of light from cars headlights and uh Dave Roundtree expressed his love for the video in in, in in later years, saying that it was one of his favorite um, Blur videos. But also then you have the cover of the album, the, the, the picture of the woman wearing the um, swimming cap. And apparently the picture um, comes from the 1930s. It was actually part of a campaign, uh, according to the internet, and everything on the internet is true. <laughs> uh, it, it must co- be true. <laughs> it must be true. Yeah, it comes from a campaign in the 1930s to encourage people to wear swimming hats. And um, but you can see the full version of the picture online, and it's it's a, a really striking picture. You know, um, yeah. I, I love I love I love the artwork. Um, and look, I suppose they have a kind of artistic background, the band. So it doesn't surprise me that the, that the artwork is is really good. But I think Blur always had that right through their career. A lot of their um, music videos and that were, were brilliant. Would you agree? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely, Dan.
1: I mean, I mean, this is something you, you could talk about all night. I mean, mm. the cleverness of the imagery and um, what you've referenced there. Also, you referenced earlier the Beatlebum single, and um, mm. you know which you know the cover there's a really striking cover um of a girl lying kind of on just sort of very you know she's lying on 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 grass on sort of leaves um it's just such a striking image and the you know some of the artwork in that blur album um you know just you know the way that they've been able to constantly reinvent themselves in their look but still they're instantly recognizable as Blur. And they mm. do that um, through their artwork, uh, through their clothes, um, through, um, you know, the, as you said, the v- music videos. I mean, the music videos have been fantastic. And I mean, when you think about it, they've continued that right up until the very present, uh, o- o- up until the present. So you check out an album like their last album, The Magic Whip, um, where they where they use the kind of th- this ice cream cone, the stylized ice cream cone. And when they did the live gigs, Damon arrived there with you know waving this kind of giant ice cream cone in his hand. What the hell is that about, you know? But it, it it takes on it's an instant bit of um you know it it instantly there's the magic whip and there's Damon waving this this uh sort of giant cone at you and but there's something very funny about it very clown like and um, and it's just you know what is he doing and he's waving it like it's like it's like it's he's he's a victor in something. Um, and of course, The Magic Whip is a, is a super album uh, recorded in Hong, in Hong Kong and uh, uh, Graham Cox had a big role in that. He fi- he finished it off. He did a lot of the work on, on it because um, he felt he owed the band because um, he hadn't been present really on the previous album, uh, Think Tank, um, and his absence was very much felt on on that. Um, so absolutely, Dan, you're, you're you know, very, very true to point to the cleverness uh, of this band. And, I, you know, one of the hot takes, it, it, so so this is not, letter is not Britpop, right? It comes before all of that. But one of the things about Britpop is that it very, very much brought a kind of an English uh, identity to the fore, um, which, you, you know, it, it it's, it, again, the, and Blur had a lot to do with that. You remember the Parklife thing where they went down to the, to the um, they're at the, the dog uh, track, the greyhound dogs, the greyhound track, and so yeah. on. They, they they were they were very very clever all the time at you know making you know records and making music which hit the zeitgeist and mm. you know said something about the times and so clever at doing that and so being able to tap into the popular imagination. Um, so such a culturally significant band, and of course Damon has done that constantly in all the different projects uh, he has been involved in um so a hugely significant band and i mean of course damon album is coming to ireland next year there was a gig postponed because of the covid um there was a gig postponed in the national concert hall uh, it'll be coming to town next year to over two nights uh not sure if there's any tickets for it because the tickets would have rolled over from the previous uh gigs which were uh, sold out um so he has a new project on the way and check out that work on his instagram page uh, or anywhere else online um and you'll see the forthcoming uh, work by Damon so, Albarn.
0: Yes, Dan. So, sorry. Paul, marks out of ten. Where, where do you Where do you stand on this one? I'm I'm really looking forward to to hearing this because I know you're such a big Blur fan. It's going to be hard for you to give the album anything other than <laughs> ten out of ten. So I'm not going
1: to give them ten out of ten. I'm not going to give them nine. I'm not going to give them eight. I'm going to give them seven. And um, You know, it isn't the sort of record that you're going to listen to again and again and again, but there's enough here to bring you back. Uh, There's enough here to make it a significant record. Um, And Blur fans in particular will have a fondness with this this record. They'll have a couple of tunes that they'll love, probably the ones that we've mentioned here. Um, And, you know, given what happened next this is a very, very significant album. It's not as a debut album. It doesn't define... So we've had, you know, for example, a band like The Strokes with Is This It, which we discussed in a previous pod, it doesn't define the sound of the band. It doesn't define the band in the same way, like, say, with, a, you know, an album like Daphne, maybe, you know, The Find Oasis. Very, very different. Um, the, 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 you know, the defining moments came later. Um, but as a start, some really interesting moments which have stood the test of time um, and it's a good listen, so 7 out of 10, how about you?
0: Yeah, I'll go for uh, 7 out of 10 as well, because I do think um, I, I think some of the criticism level of this album has been unfair, um, given the fact it is a debut album. It does show great promise in terms of some of the songs on, on, on the album, um, and as you say, it hints at what is to come, Um, So I think it's a really, really respectable album. I think there's very enjoyable moments on the album and it definitely deserves a 7 out of 10. Um, And if people haven't listened to the album, go back, check it out. Um, And then when you're finished checking out the album, go back and uh, check out our previous episodes of The Big Album Show because we have quite a number of them now on different um, albums from various different uh, periods of time and um, we'd really appreciate if people went back and listened and um, tweet us or instagram us if that's what the young people say and tell us what you think of the episodes because we really want to hear your hot takes we want to hear about uh, what albums you might like us to do in the future the whole concept of the show is that we kind of look at albums that are celebrating big birthdays so if there's any albums coming up in the next few months or the next year or two that are celebrating big birthdays do get in touch with us on our Instagram page and on our Twitter page to tell us what albums they are. We are at the big album show on both platforms. um, And we only love hearing from all of you. Isn't that right, Paul?
1: Absolutely. And thank you very much to everybody who listens and who contributes and who gets in touch um, it's very, very much appreciated. Do check out, as Dan said, our previous shows and let us know what you think. We'd be absolutely delighted to hear from, from you. Um, it'd be a pleasure to, to hear from you. Uh, Damon Album, of course, is, out, is back soon um, with his next uh, project, The Nearer the Fountain, More Pure uh, the Stream Flows. That's due out February uh, 2022. Um, but 30 years ago, Damon, Graham, Alex and Dave Rentry produced Leisure. Um, go check it out and let us know what you think. And thanks, as always, for listening to The Big
0: Album Show. And, Paul, before we go, I want you to break it to the good people who listen to our show what album we're going to cover in the next episode because it is a very, very big album. What is it?
1: Nevermind by Nirvana.
0: Yeah, come on. Who doesn't have a hot take on that <laughs> album? Uh, so message us, let us know. what. The, the, the more out there, the hot takes are the better so so get yes, in contact with air, us yeah. paul it's been a pleasure as always talk to you soon thank you dan
1: you're listening to the big album show with paul and dan please remember to subscribe hit like and remember to follow us on our social media platforms at the big album show